Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated to helping sales development professionals get better at their jobs and push the practice of sales development forward. This is a place for practitioners in the trenches every day getting it done, whether they're called SDRs, BDRs, ADRs, or others. It's a team charged with creating pipeline out of inbound lead activities and outbound approaches. My name is David Delaney, and I'm the host of the Sales Development Podcast. If you've got subjects you'd like to hear covered on the show or guests you'd like to hear from, hit me up via email at david at 10bound.com or LinkedIn or Twitter, or be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you found us. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sales Development Podcast. I am super excited about our guest today. Um, this is a gentleman that I've been trying to get on the show for a while. He is maxed out as far as <laughs> running uh, an incredibly busy team and and trying to stay ahead of everything. But I finally got you on the show, Mr. Joe Payne from Lead Genius. Thanks so much for being on. Thanks, David. It's great to be here. And I'm glad that I finally made it, even though I am uh, neck deep in topo planning madness. Uh, it's going to be a good summit in two weeks, but yeah, underwater. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah. That I'm really excited. I want to talk to you about what you're doing there, but just for, for folks who, who aren't familiar with Joe and, and lead genius, um, you know, tell us a bit about what you're doing and, you know, how you ended up as a, a leader in the demand generation space. Yeah. Great too. Uh, so you know, as David said, my name is Joe Payne. Uh, I've been working in demand generation at Lead Genius for about two years now. Uh, I actually originally got my start in doing a lot of sales pipeline development and helping reps on the outbound side solely focused there. But over the past couple of years, I've expanded more into a marketing role. So it's interesting to have, to be able to see both sides of the coin when it comes to sales and marketing. Uh, prior to working at Lead Genius, I was at a company called Soldzi. And then before that, I was at a company called Radius Intelligence, which I'm sure some of you are familiar with. Uh, and I, that's really where I cut my teeth in the startup world. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Radius is a really interesting company and they're, they're doing a lot of, of cool things. You know, I, I look at your role as kind of almost bridging the gap between sales, marketing, sales development, and what Lead Genius is doing is so interesting. Um, can you tell us about, you know, how the business is structured and how you guys help your clients? Yeah, definitely. So Lead Genius is a lead generation company at its core, but what really separates us from other companies out there is that we do have a team of human researchers that takes our data essentially to the next level. So what that means is that when a marketer or a sales leader comes to us, uh, we actually help them refine and build an ICP that's more reflective of reality, what their ideal market actually looks like. We help them with market strategy and market planning, figuring how much runway they have with a certain, certain market, as well as being able to essentially further segment that market when it comes to personalized messaging. So because we have a team of human researchers on top of the database, that means that we can literally grab almost any data point out there. A great example of this is that, you know, we were helping a company target VPs of sales. It was a sales optimization software. Uh, And they were trying to think of ways that they might be able to urge these VPs of sales to action. So one of the data points we were finding for them 
are the names of some of the AEs and SDRs that have been on their team longest. So literally the subject line of emails would say, I bet, you know, your rep, David Delaney, is has been on your team for two years. And being able to have like that kind of personalized aspect and being able to segment things down to that kind of level uh, is something that, you know, a lot of marketers and sales leaders are coming to us for right now. Okay, cool. So there's two things there. One is the the critical data points that they need as they're looking at their go-to-market and and figuring out how much runway they have, as you put it. And then one is personalization. So those are really interesting. And those, those are things that I think all almost everyone I talk to really struggles with. So those data points, tell us more. What are what are some examples of like a couple of data points that the, the human researchers on your team can go out and find and, and sort of, it's almost like you're supplementing the research of the in-house SDR team, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you're looking at it in like a really effective internal SDR team right now, they're spending probably 50% of their time building the pipeline and writing those emails that actually win deals and doing that background research. So our the way that we structure Genius is we try to cut down on that research time as much as possible and be able to fill in those personalization gaps that those SDRs are filling in manually. So some of the data points that we're building, we're helping SDRs build these personalized email sequences around, as well as be able to segment the market as a whole from a much more higher level view is, you know, things like time and role. Uh, so like, has a sales leader been in there for, you know, six months or less, three months or less? Are there open job recs out for certain titles right now? Let's say, let's say they've had, let's say a company has been looking for a director of marketing for over six months. That would be a proxy for us. We also go into the backend technologies as well that aren't, you know, readily visible. So is someone using Salesforce? Is someone using Marketo? Is someone using one of these technologies out there that might pull a lever? But I think what it comes down to more than anything else is being able to figure out what really is going to stick around messaging to a prospect. So we're also pulling in school data. We're pulling in certifications. Like is someone a Marketo champion? Uh, we're pretty much pretty much it all depends on the on the creativity of that marketer or sales leader. Uh, when it comes to what they want their message to look like. And that's really, you know, on our introductory calls with clients, we uh, we try to have those kinds of brainstorming sessions where it's like, what do you actually want to say in this email? What does your ideal customer profile actually look like? Let's go beyond the SIP codes and the NAICS codes. Let's figure out, let's really dial this in and figure this out. Right, because I think I, I think the, the standard way of, of doing things on a lot of I- internal SDR teams is, Okay, we we have Salesforce, we have a list in Salesforce, we've got a cadence product like SalesLoft or Outreach plugged in. There's a number of those out there. We trained our SDRs and now, you know, we've got three months to go out and set up meetings. Go ahead and do it, guys or girls or gals, you know. And and it's it's like seems like that missing piece, that critical missing piece is where a lot of the internal SDR teams are spending like you said, 50%. I would, I would say it's more than that. Yeah, no, I, I would, I, I mean, 50% was being, that's being nice, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, one of our, it's interesting. One of our, one of our top clients over here is a major uh, startup credit card processor. And 
you know, they were, their SDR team is, it's, it's very effective, but still pretty small and scrappy. And they were looking for just easy ways to move the lever on their side. And what they ended up, what we ended up doing for them is using essentially our research team to pull in data points directly from Yelp, even photos of food <laughs> on Yelp, like whatever, whatever they can put into their email that's going to make it look personalized and make it look real, like they did their research and they're actually able to move the needle. So that that's an extreme example of how we've enabled sales teams in that sense. But you you get the picture. It's uh, being able to having having a rep do that themselves, where it's like, all right, I need you to go to every every restaurant in San Francisco pull down you know, what their top food item is on that menu and then attach an image in that email. I mean, you're looking at hours, hours of time, but, yeah. but very high response rate. So it's, it's interesting how, how you, can, uh, you can calculate all that. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things, there's two trends almost merging. One is sales leaders walk around and they're like, God, it's so dead in here. You know, there's no one talking on the phone. Everyone's just tap, tap, tapping, you know, doing the research that you could actually have Lead Genius do for you. And then at the same time, the old way of just pounding out like 10,000 phone calls in a day and hoping and praying that you actually talk to somebody is kind of dying out in a way too, because, you know, you and I both get, you get messages all the time that are just generic and it just becomes noise after a while. So you have to personalize. And the only way to personalize is to research. (laughs) Yeah. And how do you do that at scale? I mean, that's, that's really, that's really the crux of the matter. And I think that, you know, a lot of sales teams out there, they're doing a really good job around, you know, kind of using these, account-based sales development models or just APM in general to increase that personalization. I mean, like engage you as a great example, being able to run these plays very effectively, but you're still going to run into an issue of scale no matter what. And especially if you're not targeting, you know, enterprise or mid-market, like if you're like this credit card processor and your total addressable market is 500,000 or maybe even a million businesses if you know if you're looking at SMBs, the process credit cards, like that's that's a market size that where EBM and account-based sales development really struggles to perform at scale. Yeah, exactly. And so what you know, what do you say to someone like that? Because they're probably most people are still in the lead generation model where it's you know, just send out millions of messages and then hopefully you create some leads. They're not even thinking necessarily in the account-based model in, in a situation like that. But at the same time, you have to personalize to get through all the noise. So what do you say to someone who's stuck in that that old school lead generation model and they're looking at you and saying, Joe, dude, we can't do ABM. We Our total addressable market is a million customers. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, in those situations, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that when you're talking to clients like that, or potential clients like that, they're they're you're often talking to leaders, sales leaders, and marketing leaders that they're still stuck in this like five cent, ten cent leads world for SMB at scale, and a lot of people just need to come to the to grips with the fact that you know you have to spend a little bit more money <laughs> if you're really going to capture that market share 
and if you're really going to actually gain the traction you want and have the segmentation and, you know, the actual data points your sales team needs to perform. You can't just, you can't just spray garbage everywhere and get deals anymore. You, even, even when your market size is a million companies, you got to put in some thought and care, uh, which, <laughs> you know, I know a lot of companies are still struggling with, especially when they're targeting, you know, massive market sizes like that. So. Yeah. And, and so, and so a couple of things is you got to get those data points and that's, that just takes research. You've got to be able to personalize. You got to be able to like segment out your market. So start with account-based marketing. You got to have like your, your dream accounts over there, like your A accounts that you're going to put a bunch of time into and then B and C and the research takes time. So you're walking around the sales floor. It's already really quiet. You want to get the SDRs, you know, active and setting up meetings so you need that research. So when I looked at Lead Genius, it's it's like, how did the company go about setting up these researchers and, and getting a reliable, you know, set of, of people to do the research throughout the globe, right? I mean, because it's it's a complete global company, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, we are, we are a global company. We have around 600 researchers around the world. Uh, but I mean, I think I, think I, also, I also can't point out enough we also have a database that we've assembled internally, and that's really where the baseline starts. We use our researchers in very targeted and efficient ways. So when it comes to the way our database looks, is we have an amazing database, our engineering built around uh, accounts and companies and, you know, getting a lot of those firmographic, you know, just starting points that someone needs. But then where the researchers come in is where, you know, that's where we're getting contact validation. That's where we're getting custom data points around contacts and building out account hierarchies. Uh, and usually we're doing that on a per project basis, per clients. We're not really reusing contacts. We like to make sure everything's fresh and up to date. Um, and, you know, this leads us to have, you know, one of the lowest bounce rates on the market. We're essentially... With all of our clients, we're guaranteeing a bounce rate of less than 10%. And oftentimes, we're seeing that bounce rate be more on the lines of, you know, around two to five. So we're, we're really, we really pride ourselves on data quality. Um, and then also, too, I mean, it's interesting when you have a research team, you can kind of, it's a, talking, to, talking to companies that have only dealt with more list-based purchases, and they finally have a team where they can kind of just you know, use them as their ultimate weapon and kind of point them at problems they've been suffering from forever. So one of our, one of our big clients out there, Box, when we first started working with them, they, uh, they had, I think it was around 20 plus lead sources in their database. And by using us to validate their lead source data quality, we got them down to, I believe their current number is around five lead sources with, uh, with us being the with the ultimate source of truth. So it's really interesting where you can point the weapon that is lead genius inside of your CRM, either it's for enrichment or whether it's helping net new lead generation. It can definitely go both ways. Yeah, I mean, you, you could see that by, it's almost like adding an extra layer because in, in the old days, it was just buy a list, you know, put it into Salesforce and then have the SDRs call and, and validate it or do research. But it's, it's an extra layer. And by adding that extra layer of research, um, you, you know, you can whittle down 20 lead sources to five. That's amazing. <laughs> and 
you you don't have to you don't have to waste your money on those fifteen anymore because they probably weren't working very well in the first place. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's something that you know we're 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 really keen on talking to the client about over here is that you know what the rise of the lead gen stack, as it were. Like oftentimes we're talking to clients, and I'm sure you've run into this too, where you know you're like, all right, what does your lead generation stack look like? And they're like, well, I got Odesk, I have Zoom Info, I have Lead Space, I have Datanize, and I have my SDR team. And then, you know, I built out all the accounts also with data.com because that was free. And you're just like, what, what the hell is going on? <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like a humongous Tetris game. <laughs> it's like, where do all these things fit in? And, and so that actually brings me to a question that I had, you know, as you, as you work closely with your SDR team, I assume that you have SDRs at Lead Genius, right? Yeah. Yeah, we do. We got, okay. We got yeah. So you got a team at, at Lead Genius, and so are they just like kids in a candy store because they've got all, all these these researchers on their on their side, or or how do you guys how do you work together with your own internal team? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, it's kind of like a double edged sword. We have so much power behind behind what we're doing over here that it's kind of like where where do we start first? We can change and do anything that we want. We have the power and control to essentially alter, you know, whatever our total addressable market looks like, or whether or what our account list looks like, kind of on a dime. So there, there is a lot of power and control there, and it's definitely, it's definitely something that we've had to struggle with internally, uh, especially with people coming from companies that have way more finite resources around this. But overall, our research team has been incredibly powerful for SDR team, especially when it comes to finding data points that, you know, we're going after most this quarter. Like some of those include like, you know, getting people's Twitter handles for Twitter advertising. That also includes finding, you know, personal email addresses on top of their business email addresses so we can better target folks on Facebook. So to increase that Facebook ad match rate. So we're also using our researchers to really boost the marketing team as in terms of uh, increasing our ad targeting as well as sales development. Okay, so you know, you guys are you're still a startup and you're you're getting gaining traction. So it's not like they're they can just go and call a researcher for any old project. I mean, they're still <laughs> your resource constrained because you don't have just free reign to millions of researchers around the globe. But you guys are using it in a very targeted way that helps you to test and measure and different things like that. It sounds like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think the most interesting thing is like, how do we build our how do we build our target accounts using our researchers? Like, how do we get really focused on that? So one of the things we've actually done is we've used our researchers to figure out, you know, how what exactly the company we're going after, what does their total addressable market actually look like before we even contact them? Because we know that if a company is selling to, you know, enterprise clients. There's not, they don't have enough market share or runway for us to actually work with them. Since we're working with companies that, you know, they have to have a market probably of around 100,000 prospective customers for, you know, a lead generation service like ours to actually be effective with them. So we're using our researchers in a very custom way like that. That almost anybody, anybody can also use for researchers for that too. It's just hard to get clients to that point of where, you know, Let's use us in this extreme custom manner. You know, the first hurdle is 
your your potential customers have to realize that they're wasting a lot of time by just using the old methods of having millions of unqualified names in their database and asking the SDRs to to go through it all. Not only can they save a ton of time and money by using external researchers, but they they can unlock opportunities that couldn't that they wouldn't have known about and whittle down the number of lead sources that they have. It's getting over that hurdle of trying to explain that to people, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we try to run through formulas with folks where it's like, look, like you're in the Bay Area, your SDR is costing you like forty bucks an hour, pretty much, with benefits and everything else and all the great snacks they're getting. Um, so why would you be paying your SDR forty dollars an hour to go on LinkedIn and pull down that data? They're like the end calculation just it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense that you would want your SDR to spend his time doing that. So, but you know those numbers are always it's always it always it's always interesting what sales leaders come back with when you kind of confront them with that, um, and they actually have to see that value because they I know that they can go to you know data.com tomorrow and download like two million contacts for free. <laughs> so. It's always, it's always, it's always, it's always a hard, it's always a hard conversation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's getting them over that, that hurdle and say someone, you know, they're, they're, they get this, they understand this, but they might not have enough support right now to go to a firm like Lead Genius. Um, do you have any advice for like a baby step, say like an SDR manager or a director is listening to this or even an SDR and they want to bring research into their workflow. What's like a baby step that they could do after they get off this podcast and start seeing some of the benefits of research and then maybe work their way up to like a lead genius? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I always encourage, you know, smaller companies out there. I, I think the, and you know, this might sound painful, but I think that the, the intern is often very overlooked for sales. So having a sales intern, uh, and that's also a great lead-in to an SDR and then maybe to an AE if you like them. I mean, that's that's it's just a great way to build your sales organ, build you know a good model. Um, so I would definitely encourage the use of interns for that kind of account research. It's a great learning point for anyone that's in college or school, uh, and they are and they're trying to get their trying to get their feet wet in a sales org. I mean, I would also encourage people to do something with Odesk potentially as well. Um, we have a lot of our clients actually are former Odesk users, and you know, there's but there's there's always a breaking point with a system like Odesk. So, you know, that's Odesk. If you're not familiar with it, is a is a, is a uh, kind of like a, a task research company on demand. So, what you do is you hire people in the Philippines and other places for pretty low wages and they essentially build out and do whatever you ask them to do inside of your Salesforce environment or on a spreadsheet. Um, but that usually only scales to maybe 10 researchers before, you know, you try to figure out like, how do I actually make this scale where I'm not opening an office in the Philippines or this is my full-time job. So those are, those are my two key points there, but I, I would go the intern route. That just makes so much sense. Uh, having, you know, one or two interns just building out your accounts for you uh, doesn't really work at scale, but it's a great way if you're starting out small. 
Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's a great that's a great reminder and on a lot of different levels because you're also giving somebody a chance, you know, who may not have exactly the experience that you need for an SDR, but they can do the internship or, you know, be like the sales coordinator or something to just build lists and just really focus on that really time consuming stuff that could enable the SDRs to have more conversations and thus thus create more meetings for the AEs. And then, you know, you can dip your toes in the water I, I, with like Odesk and stuff. I think they call it Upwork now, but... Um, oh, it, they, yeah. oh, they do, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, then the thing is, like, it's the scalability that just is concerning in that in that regard, because you're, you're having to manage all these people online. And we're, I mean, if, if you can go up a notch to lead genius, then there's people like Joe who are like, experts in not only managing all the the whole thing but optimizing it so that you're getting the biggest bang for your buck from the research team again it's it's like baby steps right <laughs> yeah definitely i mean the biggest problem that you know happens with, with upwork is that you know you have to, in order to have a really effective research process you have to buy a stack around that whether that's like sales navigator or that's enabling people or kind of you know use like tool like datanize or built with like there's a lot of training and there's a lot of kind of maintenance that has to happen around that um so yeah it's, it, it works to a point but then it's it gets tough <laughs> it breaks because it's it's not it's not infinitely scalable like what you guys have made and and then also with the licenses i mean what do you do like do you have to go out to datanize and buy a license for everybody on your team that lives in the philippines i mean it's it's like who who wants to sit there and Who's going to sit there and manage that whole process? It becomes mind-boggling to think about. We'll come to it series. Don't worry. <laughs> but uh, Joe, I this is great. By the way, thank you for all this information. The the thing I wanted to ask you about too is what's coming up at Lead Genius. As far I know you, that you guys are dipping your toes in artificial intelligence and trying to apply models and things like that to your data research. What what are you excited about for the future over there? Well, I mean, I think I think the biggest thing that we've been focusing on lately is is the concept of total addressable market and being able to effectively map people's markets and then segment those in ways that people didn't know was possible. So, uh, and that's I mean, and that's a problem. I mean, contact data and personalization is a piece of that puzzle, but from the very high level. Being able to actually know what your total addressable market is, is a problem that plagues both sales and marketing, and no one's actually had a really good solution for that. Um, and that, and that kind of comes down to, you know, what that, what that segmentation really looks like. So one of our clients out there, um, you know, they, they were going after, they were going after food services. Um, and that's all that they're, that's all that other data sources gave them from an industry perspective was, all right, food and beverage. That's your industry. That's what you're going after. And we all know that food and beverage, there is probably at least 15 or 20 sub industries under that that weren't being segmented out properly. So what we did for this client is we actually, we took that food and beverage market share. And then we cut that up into 20 other pieces. Uh, and we're actually, they were actually able to leverage each one of those segments individually 
and actually be able to push things through a lot more effectively and faster and be able to segment out their teams around these as well. So, I mean, I, I think that, I think that market segmentation, that that's definitely, that's definitely the future. How can you create the right message at the right time for the right segment and have the data to back it up? That is super exciting. I, I, I don't think people look at that closely enough. And, and actually the, there's a guest on this podcast named Carrie Simpson who came on a few months ago and she was, she was talking about the same thing. They, it, up in Canada, they'll, they'll give you money for a venture project, but you have to prove out that, that you're going to be able to make money with the, that venture by having solid research on your total addressable market. And so she found a niche in, in doing something similar to what you're talking about and, you know, taking an idea and going out and validating it, uh, before, you know, spending multiple millions of dollars on the idea and potentially losing all the mil- <laughs> millions of dollars. And I don't, I, I really, I don't think that a lot of companies and sales leaders really look at their total addressable market like that. It's, it's, they're still stuck in the, like to your example, the just, we going after food and beverage go, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I can't tell you how many companies come to us and they give us their ideal customer profile. And they're like, all right, this is who we're going after. And then we, then we have to tell them like, Hey buddy, your total addressable market is maybe 5,000 companies. Does that actually work for you? Can this actually work as a business model for you? Maybe we should tweak these other dials here and figure out like, let's, let's figure out how we can get you 10,000 companies or 50,000 companies in your total addressable market and actually be able to play with that. I mean, people come to us and they're like, all right, I'm going after companies that are making $10 million in revenue. Um, and we're like, well, why wouldn't you go after a company that makes eight or seven or six? What are these actual signals that are leading up to the 10? And can we find these same signals in a company that's making six million? Because you should probably sell to them too, and there's no reason why you should put that artificial cap on your own market. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, do you ever have like an uh, like kind of a oh shit moment with them where they go, oh my god, like we we our tr- total addressable market is not as big as we thought, and we have to go back to the drawing board and figure out what we're going to do. I mean, <laughs> or something like that. I mean, does it st- yeah. stuff like that ever happen? <laughs> That's definitely happened where they're like, oh, like we have a business model based around this. And there's there's that eye opening moment of like, oh, you actually don't have a business model. (laughs) Let's try. Let's help you come back to the drawing board. and Let's play with these numbers and figure out. Let's figure out what reality actually looks like here and where you got these numbers to begin with. Because, you know, if someone's using like a big tool like data.com or info USA to actually figure out how viable their product is in the open market. Like that's, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of playing with chance there. I know playing with fate that that's the, that's the word there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nuts. Wow. That's crazy. That, that sounds like uncomfortable conversation, but I mean, if somebody, if somebody was really, really focused on, on, moving the needle. I mean, they, they would look at that and go, Oh my God, like if this is right, like we, we need to go back to the drawing board like immediately. <laughs> so, yeah. no, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, sales and marketing is always about you creating the, the right hypothesis and being able to actually prove that out. So 
we like to think of our team and like what we're doing over here is, you know, people come to us with their hypothesis. This is, this is the market I'm going after. This is the segment. This is what I need. And then we can actually prove that that actually works or not. And that's, and that's something that, you know, a lot of other companies can't do out there where they're just going to get, all right, I'm going after food and beverage. Here's a million companies and, you know, 2 million contacts have fun. Like that doesn't really, that doesn't really tell you that. Yeah. Or, I mean, they, they come up with a hypothesis, they put it out for a few months and then they come back and go, our sales development team sucks (laughs) or, you know, our marketing team like didn't get enough leads and stuff, but it's actually maybe if you kind of peel it back another layer and you look at it that, you know, maybe we need to actually look at the hypothesis and the goals for the program, take it, take it a little bit deeper. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, you can't, you can't leave things surface level there and just, you know, throw something at the wall and see if it sticks or not. I mean, you've got to, you, I mean that, yeah, it's, (laughs) there's, there's, there's a lot more to this than uh, what most people are doing right now. Yeah. And don't, don't play the blame game. Like go back and, you know, use the data to figure out what's going on. Um, but Joe, this has been great. I mean, I, I would say for SDRs listening to this, you know, as a, just a recap, like sit there with a stopwatch someday and like time out how long you're spending on research and figure out before somebody else does at your company, <laughs> figure out exactly how much it's costing to like research all these things and how long it's taking. And, you know, if, if you can, if you can step up and come up with a better solution, like some of the ones that, that Joe suggested, that's that's leadership. I mean, that's stepping up and, and giving people that that data. And then I would say for SDR managers listening, it's like, hey, have you really thought about why it's so quiet out on the sales floor and, and why people are spending so much time researching and what that's costing from a business perspective and what better results you might be able to get if you if you break that off and, and look at it as a, as a specialization. And there's firms out there like like Lead Genius that can help you know, they're experts in getting that research and, and stuff like that. So Joe, I can't thank you enough, man. This has been super interesting and I love talking about this topic. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, David, it was, it was a huge pleasure. Uh, I took me too long to get here. (laughs) I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad I finally got here. It It was good. Very yeah, and, and before you sign off, how can people? I'll put your your name and and email up on my blog after the show with the show notes. But how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about Lead Genius or the stuff that you guys are doing over there? Well, you know, I, I live and breathe on LinkedIn way too much. Um, <laughs> definitely find and message me there. Connect with me. Uh, also, I still have my uh, childhood Twitter handle, Run underscore Life. L Y F E. So if you, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, feel free to message that ridiculous handle. Uh, Wait, say it, say it one more time because I, I, I want to make sure they got that. Yeah. Uh, my Twitter handle is brunch life, brunch underscore L Y F E. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh man. Cool. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Well, Joe, yeah, thanks. Thanks again. And looking forward to tracking your further success in this field. And just appreciate you sharing with all the listeners. Definitely. Pleasure, David. Is your sales development program firing on all cylinders? Are your people, processes, and technology aligned to get you the appointments, pipeline, and close one you need to be able to hit your goals? 
Finding experts in the field of sales development is a real struggle, but you have to hit your pipeline numbers today, not sometime in the future when you can step back and take a wider look at your program. TenBound is ready to help. Head over to TenBound.com for more information and to sign up for a free assessment of your current program. That's TenBound.com.